Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. short rest oh I see they said you'd be showing up about now come on through the portal best not keep the lore mistress and more master waiting you know how they get robots radio presents the dungeons and dragons lore cast the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio and I am Mary. And we are in we are in a mind flayer pandemic right now. We are up to it's a our, problem. We okay? are up to our short hairs in mind flayers. <laughs> you could have gone with tentacles. You could have gone with well, I mean anything, really. Well, well, we don't have the tentacles, at least not yet. Uh if you if you are like many uh, others, hundreds, thousands, millions, even of people who are enjoying Baldur's Gate three. You are well aware that mind players are uh, gross and nasty and just plain evil. Yeah, yeah, can confirm, can confirm, and I, I think there's crossover between the two because technically the game's canon now. Oh no, absolutely. And so if, and if you've been listening to this show for a while, you already know this, but if you are one of our newer listeners who found the show thanks to Baldur's Gate 3, uh uh-huh. you will soon learn that we that we love all the all the gross and and uh oogie I, and, and evil things here. I am having such a hard time not ranting to everybody about everything that I've encountered. Very in game. Uh, you it's men- it's killing me. I am dying inside. <laughs> you mentioned the crossover. Well, the crossover between the two is, of course, between Baldur's Gate 3 and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the newest adventure from yes. Dungeons & Dragons, Vandelver uh, and Below, the Shattered Obelisk, which comes out at the time of this recording, comes out next week. Of mm-hmm. course, uh, we are complete D&D nerds, and so we had to get the early access. So we've been, uh, yeah, we've been yeah. pouring over it over the past week or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is going to be uh, what we talk about. Since it is an adventure, uh, there's not a whole lot of lore. There, there is some lore. We will, we will carve out every bit of lore that we can from any book. <laughs> um, but we also don't want to uh, one just go 
plot point by by plot point of the adventure and, and exactly spoil it exactly so, um so that the first half of the episode we'll be talking about what little lore is available in the adventure mm-hmm. uh proper and in the second half of the show we've got quite a treat we'll be talking about a mind flayer god a mind flayer deity that is referenced just one cast aside reference just one little sentence in the adventure and i was like that's what we're gonna talk about and uh-huh, i, I, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I stayed up until maybe one in the morning uh reading yeah, about yeah, it. i this is this is i'm i am here for moral support <laughs> at that point because you are so excited you were just so excited i, I can't love, i love mind flayers i, I know them. they're <laughs> gross they're gross and uh I don't want to boop them. I'll tell you that much, but, um, you telling me that if you couldn't walk up and just poke a mind flare right in the middle of its nose, beak, uh, uh, I don't face, know. Face thing. Uh, face I thing? mean, and if just I knew be like, it, with no I repercussions, knew... you would oh, boop. Yeah. With no repercussions. Yeah. But you know, we, I bet that... they feel gross. Yeah. They, they pro- look like their textures gross. They probably feel like, um, rubbery like gack do you remember gack oh my thank you uh achievement <laughs> memory unlocked ancient mind... slime memory mind players feel like gack Ew. so fandelver and below welcome yes. to fandolin nestled on the northern sword coast between neverwinter wood and the sword mountains is the town of fandolin centuries ago Fandolin was a thriving settlement with deep ties to its neighboring communities. But then bandits overran the town, and Fandolin lay abandoned for centuries. Only in the past few years have settlers built a new village on the ruins of the old. These town folk hope to grow Fandolin through hard work, camaraderie, and the shared purpose of building a lasting home. Threatening their efforts and their survival are bandits, brigands, and monsters. That's the yeah. essentially the you know the intro to the adventure, which the first four chapters are a sort of a like reimagining, like remake of mm-hmm. the uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver adventure that you got in the original Five E starter set, which you can still mm-hmm. find in in places. But you know, with this being released in and the new starter set being out, you know, why not have a little bit of both? A little bit of both, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's the second half of the adventure that's all brand new. And takes characters up to level twelve. So of that, more than five hundred years ago, clans of dwarves and gnomes made an agreement known as the Fandelver Pact, mm-hmm. uh, by which they would share a rich mine in a wondrous cave known as the Wave Echo Cave. Um, yeah, in addition to its you know, natural mineral wealth, the mine also contained great magical power. So mm-hmm. obviously a reason, you know, a couple of different reasons to, you know, want to be in control of it. Right. Right. So you've got human spellcasters aligning themselves with the dwarves and the gnomes to channel and bind that magical energy into a great forge called the forge of spells where magic items could be crafted. And things were great. Times were good. And the nearby town of Fandolin, you know, prospered along with it. You know, everything was peachy keen. And then freaking bandits. It's always 
always. He can't. <sighs> so bandits start sweeping through the north. Yeah, and lay, you know, laying to waste everything in their path. And an especially powerful bandit force that was reinforced by evil mercenary wizards attacked Wave Echo Cave in order to seize its its riches, obviously, and its and its magical treasures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the aforementioned human spellcasters, you know, fought alongside the aforementioned dwarves and the aforementioned mm-hmm. gnomes in order to defend the forge of spells and the ensuing spell battle, which I I just love that the spell battle destroyed much of the cavern i imagine so it seems like it'd cause i'm just it just I they mean, seem like they'd be insurance just, sales in the realms must be insane right just yeah, just think like you know uh the avengers you know movies like what new york city looks after after that or uh-huh. um what metropolis looked like after a man of steel uh-huh uh-huh uh views survived the cave-ins and tremors and knowledge of the location of wave echo cave was lost and so for centuries rumors of buried riches have attracted treasure seekers uh opportunists of the like uh to the area around phandalin but no mm-hmm. one has been able to locate the lost mine and so like it said in the intro to the to the adventure in the past few years three or four years or so hardy folk from the cities of neverwinter and waterdeep have been settling settling atop the ruins of Phandalin. And a bustling frontier town has developed on the site of the old settlement, kind of like uh, in Robocop with New Detroit and Old Detroit. Um, home now, although I never understood as a kid, I thought that, was, did that mean that Old Detroit was like, like literally underground? It was like, was it in the sewers? I, I don't. Don't tell me you've never seen Robocop. Okay, I won't say it out loud then. <laughs> kind of. Uh, okay, this is <laughs> this is your homework assignment and anyone's homework assignment who is but listening to this. If you haven't seen I, RoboCop, please go see I, RoboCop as I, soon as possible. Right. I um, I have some lore to learn in the realms. It's new lore that's happening. Uh, so I'll be doing that. You can you can spare two hours to watch <laughs> RoboCop. I'll try to find some time to watch RoboCop. Okay. Look, dead or alive, you're watching RoboCop. That's from RoboCop. All right. Uh, and so, um, yeah, this bustling frontier town has <laughs> developed on the site of this, you know, this these old ruins. Right. You know, it's home now to farmers and woodcutters, fur traders, prospectors. You know, your general kind of like working class type of uh, you know, character from the D and D realms. Right, right, right. Um, and most, but most of them are drawn by stories of gold and platinum in the foothills of the Sword Mountains. Okay, so a Fandolin gold rush. Essentially. Hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, when, you know, there, you know, comes a, a group of a ton of people to a certain, to one location, they're not yeah. always going to all be good. And unfortunately, more than a few ruffians and bandits, <gasps> there's those bandits again, um, have settled here as well, taking advantage of the fact of that. You know, it's such a new settlement that it really has no like local authority to chase them off. No authority, not a lot of defenses either. Right, right. Mm. And so recently, a trio of dwarves, the Rock Seeker Brothers, which um sounds like an awesome like hair hair uh, hair metal band, the Rock Seekers. It's just uh, ZZ Top. I don't. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> you're going recently. Any a a trio of dwarves. 
<laughs> the Rockseeker Brothers, also known as ZZ Top. ZZ Top, canonically speaking, yeah. Uh, they have discovered the long-lost entrance to the Wave Echo Cave, Ooh. and they intend to reopen the mines. Uh, unfortunately for ZZ Top, a.k.a. the Rockseekers, they aren't the only ones interested in a Wave Echo Cave. Um... Oh, wait, never mind. That was the end of that. Yep, that was the end of that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> well, that's the end of that like thought entirely. <laughs> oh, okay. Like it wasn't supposed to be. They aren't the only ones interested in wave. Okay, it's more like they aren't the only ones. And they aren't the only ones. Right. Is it supposed right. to be ominous? All right. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> Unfortunately for the rock seekers, aka ZZ Top. They aren't the only ones interested in the wave echo cave. And so, yeah, that's a, essentially the lore behind what's going on in and around the town of Phandalin. Mm -hmm. And then we have this shattered ob ob obelisk that is also, you know, uh, very pertinent to the plot. I mean, it's called <laughs> Phandelver and it's, Below. Yeah. The shattered. Yeah, it's in the title. It's they said it in the title. They said the thing. They said the thing. And so, um, so these, so the shattered obelisk that is included in the adventure is 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 the focus of the adventure. Yeah, is, is only one of several similar obelisks around the world, and right. this this has been something that has been sort of dropped into various adventures throughout Five mm -hmm. E's history, and and folks, um have been asking questions as to like what what are these what what do these mean uh jordan with a ph you can find the videos on youtube has a great video about the obelisk uh it's 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 not i don't want to say like it's, it's very old but it's definitely older than the recent news that has come out you know with this adventure right um, but the obelisks are all powerful artifacts with dangerous magical effects although no two have the same powers and in fact, Ooh. the earliest examples of these magical obelisks can rewrite reality on a grand scale. Oh no. Right. And so these are these are the result of the work of a mysterious group known as the Weavers or the Spell Weavers. Okay. Uh, they created the obelisk to undo great calamities, often by hurling a region or an entire world back in time before the calamity occurred. Um, one of these time yeeters. What? <laughs> Been yeeted through time. Yeah, they're time yeeters, they're time not yeeters, weavers. Yeah. They're yeeters. Um, and one of these ancient weaver obelisks appears in Ice uh, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. But no one really knows anything yeah. about the weavers because the evil wizard Vecna, who we all know and love stole the secrets of the obelisks and used them to erase the knowledge of the weavers from existence. And it will, I would after we're going to get into the weaver lore here in a, in a, in a second. And mm -hmm. there's, I, I feel that there's a way to tie these two in together. It's great. Um, but the lore of, so the lore of how to create the artifacts then seeped throughout the world. Of course. And so the most notable obelisk builders were wizards from the now fallen empire of Netheril. Mm -hmm. These Netherese obelisks vary in appearance, um, although they're always tall and narrow to like a pyramidal top. 
but they vary in height, some from just a, a, couple, a few dozen feet, uh, some up to hundreds of feet. Um, mm. And the substance is usually some kind of obsidian-like stone or some other kind of unknown black metal. Okay. Um, none of these obelisks are as powerful as the ones that were created by the weavers, you know, kind of copies of a copy sort of thing. Right. You can You can replicate something, but you can never achieve the original again. Right, right. But they can still nevertheless enact great and terrible changes, such as empowering a certain ritual that you see in the Fandelver and Below Adventure. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, And like I mentioned, other obelisks have appeared throughout 5e. Uh, You got one in Tomb of Annihilation. You've got another in Storm King's Thunder. Mm -hmm. uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, the Waterdeep Adventure, and Out of the Abyss. Although... It's not clear if those are were weaver made or if they were products of the Netherese Empire. Ooh. So I'm sure maybe left how, open yeah. for interpretation exactly, then. Exactly. That sounds a little that sounds like some open-ended D D. Y'all figure it out for what works for your table. Exactly. All right. So these these spell weavers or or, yes. or spell yeaters, mm-hmm. as Mary has colloquially coined them as. Um, they are or were a great and ancient civilization, okay, uh, consisting of a vast league of colonies known as nodes. And this civilization was destroyed long ago, and all parts of the weaver's civilization seem to have been shattered and twisted. Oh, so at the height of their prosperity, the spell weavers conducted a grandiose and dangerous experiment. Possibly mm-hmm. an attempt to alter reality across the entire multiverse. This experiment, however, met with tragic failure and caused a catastrophe of colossal proportions. So deep within their nodes, their their colonies, were these huge mm-hmm. furnaces that harnessed the life force of mortals and magic items. And for unexplained reasons, these furnaces... Uh, within every 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 furnace within every weaver node exploded one after the other in a terrible chain reaction, obliterating the colonies, to killing all its inhabitants within wow. seconds, and effectively purging the multiverse of the Spellweaver Empire in a single moment. They got noped. They got cosmic noped. Yeah, cosmic nope. Um, only, only a few members of the of the species who were away from the node survived. Okay, and they be end up end up becoming the ancestors of all modern spell weavers. Oh, okay. uh, what remains of the physical empire are a few ruins, which uh-huh. are highly prized by treasure hunters uh, for the valuables that lie within them. Uh, these ruins that have been explored uh, have proved to be illuminating to scholars. Right. Uh, the writings that they end up um, producing describe how the Weaver civilization stood against a terrible incursion from the far realm. And the Weavers tried to prevent a seed of chaos from entering the cosmos, but failed to stop it entirely. Yeah. And the seed ruptured, breaking their homeland apart and scattering it across the plains. Uh, the Weavers. It's the worst kind of luck, you know? I mean, you you play with you go big or you go home, you know. And, and it I seems guess. like it seems like the weavers are doing a little bit of both. Uh, and so the weavers say that their civilization predates both the gods and the primordials, though some scholars discount these claims. 
Um, but for for this reason, for you know, for what the weavers believe, they uh they think that they're above the gods. Oh boy. Um yeah, but that, yet they that care. always ends well. <laughs> but what's weird is like they care nothing for mastering divine power, though. They're like, yeah, we're better than gods, but we're not really we don't even really like care about you know what gods do. Like we got some other stuff going on. Are they are they hipsters? Maybe. They're like, yeah, they're they're like um uh-huh. they're like spell uh deity hipsters or something. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm uh, more powerful than you, but I'm just not into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm but not, I don't like I'm not, really I'm not really I don't care about divine power, okay? That's not what I'm after. So the the weaver suggests that um that the planar disjunction that toppled their society created the astral sea and the elemental chaos interesting okay. and and modern weavers are working constantly to rebuild their their lost civilization you know they mm-hmm. seek out their lost ruins they gather energy for this dangerous plan um which is to repair and reactivate these powerful nodes and link them together by a network of planar gates you know, the, the purpose of these nodes and the furnaces are still shrouded in mystery, but some sages suggest that the network of nodes will eventually be used in an attempt to reunite the planes. Because they believe that at the beginning of time, all the planes were, it, was, it wasn't planes, it was plain, singular. It was all right. one. And somehow it got, they got all you know jumbled kind of up. A, kind of like a Pangea theory a little, yeah, of the yeah. planes, yeah. Plain Gia. A plain Gia of sorts. And they're trying to put it all back together. Um, and this is an, ev- an event that would be so catastrophic that not even the gods would survive it. So what this, this catastrophic event known as the disjunction, you know, that nearly destroyed the Spellweaver civilization, what, what caused it? What, you know, why did it happen? Yeah. There are a couple theories. Of course. Uh, some believe that these spell weavers, through their study of language, discovered the prime form of communication, words capable of shaping reality itself, and tried to ascend an entire part of their civilization to godhood at the same time. You can't, uh, you can't <laughs> I mean, mass but, produce the gods. But yet they here they were trying, apparently. Some say that. Uh, proponents of this theory believe that the gods, in order to prevent this for obvious god reasons, uh, right. caused a magical backlash that destroyed all the nodes. Others believe that these spellweavers discovered at that at the beginning of things, all planes and worlds were united in a single balanced reality, uh, mm. plane Gia, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. being broken you know, apart by the whims of the gods. Uh, proponents of this theory by the whims of the gods that's a nice way to say it man that no in their (laughs) selfishness they clawed for what they could take i mean Uh, it also kind of like takes in you know it's it makes sense because sometimes gods like i just felt like doing it you know because i was bored yeah okay no you're right you're right i i digress you're right i mean it's a little column a little column b i could see both being like you know a little bit oh absolutely um so those who subscribe to this theory thought that the weavers tried to return reality back to this balanced state mm-hmm. by by building these nodes as anchors of sorts to bring the planes back together. Okay. Um, but the power of the essentially 
infinite infinities being merged mm-hmm. back together was too great and the procedure failed with terrible consequences. I'm shocked. Now, digging and this is this is all lore that is that predates 5e, but at least from the spell weaver's perspective. Yeah. Now, once we get into, you know, the obelisks and and Vecna's involvement in all this, right. I could see Vecna, that rascally wabbit, being responsible for the disjunction, being responsible for this catastrophic catastrophic event that destroys a spellweaver civilization. Okay. Because it says in the uh Vandelver and Below book, I mean it states that it was Vecna who was responsible for essentially erasing the weavers from existence. Yeah. And so I could see him being responsible for the, for the actual event, like somehow going back in time and destroying this, like destroying the civilization, taking the magic of the obelisk for himself, the power of the obelisk for himself. Yeah. I could see that evil's going to evil. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I could see like Vecna coming up with this plan to get rid of the Spellweavers one, mm-hmm. uh, and then also use um, use their power, use their their magical artifacts, you know, for his own benefit. They have to team up with them. Oh no, Vecna doesn't want to team up with anyone. Vecna. I'm just saying, I would love. <clears throat> you love a buddy something movie? so I do I love something so terrible that you have to ally yourself with non-allies oh no yeah like you know like mutual mutually uh, uh-huh yeah. it's mutually beneficial that the entirety of existence like, doesn't like, stop I don't... so maybe we should are you yeah. talking about Vecna are you talking about like us al- aligning ourselves like the yeah. player with the spell weavers oh no yeah for sure yeah I mean, like because across the board, like if, if be Vecna wins, everyone loses, sorts of thing. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. But that's at least that's a theory that I that I'm working that's, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some other cool things that uh that you can find in the Fandelver and Below book, um, like um, far realm mutations. Like, oh uh, yeah, some of these are really neat. Like essentially, <laughs> that uh, a creature exposed to the strange energy of the far realm risks developing mutations uh uh-huh. and so like they undergo a metamorphosis as the powers of the far realm rewrite the fundamentals of the creature's existence yeah it's... i so one of the things i really liked this is kind of a slight aside when discussing all of this stuff that it actually has a little bullet point about player consent Oh no! Being yeah, for involved sure. in there as well. Um, seeing a lot of the language being changed in the books and stuff, like moving forward, a lot of those changes that were discussed, we're actually seeing happening. Seeing them adjust the, you know, all of that stuff. I just wanted to point out that I thought that was really neat. No, yeah, but it I mean, has that involved. Yeah, you don't. I mean, obviously, like you want uh, consequences in yeah. in a game. Um, yeah. where like you know where uh players are making choices yeah um it's sometimes uh but through no fault of their own it's the wrong choice or through like you know they make i mean like obviously like you know sometimes players 
like like to make the wrong you, choice. You play stupid games. Right, right. You're gonna win a certain sort of prizes. But at the same time, you never want to make anyone uncomfortable at the table. Right. Like you never want to make a person feel uncomfortable at the table. Right. I just it to me, it's really nice to see those kinds of things in there. Like it talks about, like you're talking about the different uh, the influence and stuff like that from the other realms. But it does further go into it. Lay it throws that part in there with it, and I like the uh, explanations of how to apply these from both sides that are involved as well. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, if a uh, a creature can mutate uh, or can become mm-hmm. a mutate and transform to exhibit physical characteristics associated with the far realm, uh, you know, like tentacles, uh, mm-hmm. goo, slime, stuff like that. Um, maybe uh, it's got my skin, favorite thing in it. Skin so that I don't... feels like gak. Yeah, gak skin. Gaxkin. It's got it's I just like that it has it in my favorite way so that I don't have to choose. It's got a chart. It's yeah, exactly. It's so I it's, am here for it. Thank you, charts. I have enough uh, things to make decisions about. Uh, in my research, uh I discovered a chart to come up with illithid names. Yeah. Uh and so if you are uh if you want to know what your illithid name would be. Come on over to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast Discord. <laughs> Hop on over to the Random Rolls cha- uh, chat channel and uh-huh. give me and give me two D twelve, and I'll let you know what your illithid name would be. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me go find it real quick for you. We'll uh we'll do one as goes if I can find the thing. Um, because... our patron, our good friend Bellari, uh, gave us a couple of D twelves. Uh, their illithid name is Ulisin. Which means the great noble. Mary, you rolled a three and a one. And a nat one. What did I tell you? I, I tell people this all the time. I can't roll well. And it's and, consistent. I mean, not, you know, you're not like <laughs> failing anything in this in this case, but no, it's definitely not a good look. But it's not a great roll. It never will be. So, Lord Mistress Mary, your Illithan name uh-huh. would be Illa. Errant, which means <laughs> taster of what is it? A three and a one. I'm sorry, taster of minds or <laughs> mind taster. Delicious. Yes, I'll have the brain. Hmm. Which again, pretty on on brand. Uh, so some creatures become mutates uh, mm-hmm. after prolonged exposure to the far realm far realm energy. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you know, or magic that is drawn from that strange plane. Others right. deliberately change themselves, seeking to embrace the fell powers that they worship. Uh, creatures that become mutates often explicably change back to their previous forms once that far realm influence abates. So, like you'll grow. You can walk it off in another plane essentially yeah like you get you get far <laughs> enough from the far realm you just kind of walk off your tentacles you walk off your your goo your gag skin oh. Oh. so gross and this was what was most interesting to me is that forcing a transformation on creatures will inexplicably fail uh though evil forces such as the mind flayer empire of old have conducted much research on the topic Mm-hmm. And for centuries, mind flayers have tried to create armies of mutates to sweep through the underdark. However, these efforts always prove fruitless, 
and eventually the mind flayers just gave up their schemes. Um, you know, there are several type common types of mutates that exist, uh, and some uh, creatures are more prone to becoming far realm mutates. Um, like uh, oh. one is the cloaker, uh, but several are presented in the book. Uh, these okay. mutates often gain psionic abilities, grow wings, become covered in otherworldly slime, or exhibit other, and I think this is uh, subjective, unsettling traits. That's that's just beauties in the eye of the beholders. Exactly, exactly. But the the fact that they gain psionic abilities, that's another thing that is relatively new to 5e, the the psionic, you know, uh, a psionic rule set, essentially mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. mind magic. That is so fun. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm down for it. I love it. I, it's something that um, obviously, like, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Dark Sun campaign setting and psionics mm-hmm. are a major staple of that. But that's because like magic doesn't, it, magic in the traditional D&D sense doesn't really exist and the dark sun campaign setting but i mean you can't really have D without magic and so you had to figure something out right and so right and so yeah i mean like uh to me it's psionic you know abilities are more like uh yeah like i said like mind magic it's still like you know some kind of spell casting except uh you're using the old brain squirrel the one please use more than one old brain squirrel if you're casting, I'm just disclaimer from me personally. I don't know if it's endorsed show wide since somebody suggested squirrels, but yeah, don't. don't and use so squirrels. the last thing I wanted to bring up <laughs> in Fandelver and below, uh, there's a, you know, a, a few uh, magical items. There's a few, you know, obviously like, there's a bestiary. Uh, but one of the magical items is actually a weapon, a great axe. And it's oh. known as the Flayer Slayer. Yes. And I love it so much. Uh, carvings of decapitated mind flayers adorn this great axe's metal blade. Uh, you gain a plus one bonus to attack and damage rolls made with this great axe. And aberrations that are hit with it take an extra 1d12 slashing damage. If the aberration is currently grappling a creature, the aberration must succeed on a DC 15 strength saving throw or release each creature that it's grappling. That's that's awesome. I love it. The Flayer Slayer. You can't, I mean, come on, you can't go wrong with what I mean. That is amazing. It's a lot of fun. I love it. All right, we're going to jump to the middle of the show. We're mm-hmm. going to do all the middle of the show things. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to kind of, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Ilsensine. Ilsensine? Ilsensine. Uh, I don't know which way it's pronounced either. No clue. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Mind Flayer deity Ilsensine. Uh, like I said, brief mention in the Thandelver and Below uh, mm-hmm. adventure. Uh, the big bad is... Um, uh, rumored to be a descendant of this mind player deity um, but I mean I have researched entire episodes on less of like less than this <laughs> uh, and so it's no surprise that 
uh, I'm able to get a whole lot out of just this one like measly reference, but we'll get to that after the middle of the show. Welcome to the middle of the show. The middle of the show is, of course, where we do all the housekeeping stuff, all the usual run-of-the-mill podcast stuff, your uh, shout-outs, your social media plugs, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Uh, we also uh, dive into any D&D news that may have come out between now and the last episode. Um, and then also, we check out the uh, the DMs Guild and see what kind of homebrew shenanigans we can get into. First and foremost, let's thank the patrons. Thank you so much to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash dndlorecast uh, for supporting the show in the way that you do. Uh, without that particular type of support, we wouldn't be able to do uh, any number of things that, that help grow the show in certain ways. We couldn't uh, pay artists to um, commission artwork, to you know to make merch, to make logos and, and do stuff like that. And uh, we just we really do appreciate it. We couldn't uh, pay artists to create art for the upcoming Magic Item of the Week book that will be available on DMs Guild. So without your support in that way, we we couldn't do any number of things. So thank you again so much. If you want to uh, align yourself with the fair folk of the Patreon, like I said, you can go to patreon.com slash Lorecast. We have several different tiers ranging as low as five bucks. You get stickers, you get bonus content, you get merchandise. Uh, I can I will DM a one shot for you, uh, for you and your friends, or for you and your family, or your coworkers, or you know just a group of random strangers. I'll DM a one shot adventure uh, for just about anyone, uh, and that option is available over at Patreon.com/slash D Lorecast. If you want to support the show in other ways, uh, like I said, I mentioned the social medias. You can find us. Uh, at pretty much any social media network, we are at DND Lorecast, the letters D and D. And we are on uh, uh, Twitters or, or X, whatever it's called now. Uh, Threads, Mastodon, Blue Sky, as long as those are all things where they're um, the, the more stable ones like Instagram and, and TikTok and Twitch, we're also there. Uh, in fact, we'll be uh, we'll be streaming. Uh, we'll start streaming on Twitch here pretty shortly. And uh, again, um, support from the Patreon goes to um, pay artists to create emotes and to create um, overlays and stuff like that. So again, all the GP, all the gold pieces you send our way just goes back into making the show bigger and better. Of course, you could also support the show by leaving us uh, good reviews on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or just simple word of mouth. That That's still a thing. In fact, I, I still, that's probably how I promote the show uh, most. I got a couple of coworkers listening to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so someone you think, you know, may be interested in the show, someone who is, uh, you know, up to their short hairs in Baldur's Gate three, definitely recommend the show to them. They might be interested and it would, uh, it would, um, help us out a lot. It would, um, it would please us greatly. As far as D and D news goes, we've got a couple of bits of fun D and D toy news. Firstly, we've got WizKids who work have done a lot of cool D and D stuff, uh, you know, amongst other IP properties. Um, but they have been releasing uh, pre-painted miniatures inspired by the monsters from the original Monster Manual. They're they're labeled as a D and D Classic Collection, and they release them in in an alphabetical order and sort of like in chunks. So that you had like um, A through C and D through F. Well, coming in February 2024, you've got monsters K through N. And this 
this batch is a doozy. I mean, you, you've got your kobold, which is cool. You've got a mummy, a minotaur. Excellent choices. But the lich, the mind flayer, these look amazing. Like I said, they're pre-painted miniatures that you could either display or you could use them in a game. But either way, they're going to look amazing. And they come out February of 2024. And if you can't wait that long to get your hands on some D&D toys, then uh, head on over to GameStop because over the next couple of months, they'll have some exclusive Funkos. Starting in October, they will have the Bahamut Funko that you can pre-order now for $24.99. That comes out October 22nd. Uh, if you have your hands on a Tiamat already, bully for you. Uh, I'm very jealous because the only way you can find a Tiamat now is uh, online uh, through like eBay or some other resale uh, retailer. And it's going to it's gonna put you back more than a few GPs. Uh, but Bahamut, you can buy for, you can pre-order now for $24.99 on the GameStop website. And of course, I'll have a link to the that in the show notes. And then in November... If you missed out on getting either Vecna or the Mind Flayer or the Demogorgon Funkos, GameStop will have an exclusive three-pack with all three of them that's available November 8th. Again, a link to the pre-order uh, is going to be in the show notes. Uh, I I I already have I have the Vecna. I have the Mind Flayer. I, didn't, I missed out on the Demogorgon, so I'm going to be sure to snap this up. Because uh, these Funkos look cool on my on on my desk on my bookcases, um, I just picked up a gelatinous cube Funko and I'm looking at it right now and I love it. I love I love seeing a dead person inside a uh, jelly monster. Call me weird, but don't yuck my yum. That's all I'm gonna say about that. All right, homebrew fun. So if you've been listening the past couple of weeks, uh, I was talking about how I took part in a writing workshop that was hosted by Bard House Media, which is run by Jaden King and Beth the Bard. And it was how to write an adventure. It was uh, giving us advice on brainstorming ideas, the mechanics of putting the adventure together, and even how to format it for, you know, for physical or digital media and giving everyone the ability to play test it as well. And so, uh, you know, just inspired by all the creativity and all the imagination that was running rampant. I wanted to highlight my fellow cohorts and their work um, throughout the next few weeks of the DMs Guild corner pick of the week. And this week is Funeral Flowers at the Festival, which was designed by Jacqueline Goldblatt. So this is a fun one. This is like a murder mystery type thing. So flowers aren't the only thing being harvested at this festival. For generations, the people of Antherin have sprouted magical crystal flowers after their passing due to a unique bond with the land. To celebrate this gift and the gifts of the season's bounty, an annual festival is held. But a killer stalks the night, brutally slaying victims and stealing these beautiful blossoms. The people are terrified, and when another body is discovered, the city is put on lockdown until the culprit is found. Can your players weed the fact from the fiction, solve the case, and earn their freedom freedom in the process? So this is a level eight, uh, either one shot, or you can incorporate it into um, an already existing campaign. And what's really cool about this is that they've included a playlist inspired by the module. So if you check out the DMs Guild um, page for it, which I will link to in the show notes, of course, 
you can actually check it out on Spotify, which is fun. You can have that like playing in the background as you run this adventure. And it's only going to cost you $4.99. So definitely check it out. Show some love, show some support for some very indie uh, publishers. You know, I know we love to um, highlight, you know, a smaller TTRPG publishers. Um, as far as I'm concerned with for myself and my other cohorts, it doesn't get any smaller than this. We're individual people writing adventures, following a dream. And uh, yeah, I, like I said, if you, if you can support it, please do so. Uh, with that being said, let's jump back into the Mind Flayer lore. Welcome back. We are discussing Fandelver and Below as well mm -hmm. as Mind Flayers. And now we're going to talk about probably the best, greatest, grossest, most powerful Mind Flayer of them all. That just sounds fantastic. I mean, I, it's hard. I, Ain't it's hard just to, swell? Yeah, it's hard to just... I, the best, worst, it depends on how you look at it. The oh, yeah. patron deity and creator of the Yelithids. We're Ooh. gonna talk Il Sign, which means in under common means great brain or powerful brain. Mm -hmm. So also known as the Tentacled Lord, they are a cold and calculating being that embodies the Illithid ideals of mental prowess, uh, infinite knowledge, and dominion over all other forms of life. Mm-hmm. Um, Ilsen sign uh manifests as a disembodied brain of with a kind of like emerald hue that trails countless tentacles through the infinite planes. Uh, it gathers, yeah, yeah, exactly. It gathers information from all worlds and all planes simultaneously, learning every secret and perceiving every thought. Uh, and although predominantly focused on mind flayers. The Great Brain uh, is the patron of anyone who would enslave others' thoughts. Of course. And yeah, and so while it's known as Ilsen sign, it's you know that's what it's known by by sages and scholars of most species. Illithids identify their god differently, you know, rather than an, a name, a word, letters. It's a series of symbolic denotations and visual images within their own unique telepathic mode of communicating okay so where where does this I, yeah come from? where what what's some of its ancient history well the elven creation myth positions ilsen sign as such one entity strove always to knock down what was raised up fill what was hollowed and break what was lovingly fashioned by others. Uh, so it kind of sounds like Ilsen Sign is like the little brother of everyone's little, <laughs> little badass little brother. Um, but the elven creation myth also goes on to claim that Ilsen Sign created the Illithid as a counter creation to the other mortal species, the other mortal races that were being created by the other gods. Uh, you know, and but the Illithids were made designed to subordinate, to control, and to consume them. Uh, yet others label Ilsen sign as a mystery of the cosmos, with their true origin uh, unknowable. 
what's make what makes the origin even more confusing though is you, when you take into account um a couple of different um like texts and tomes the the plain shredders primer the mm-hmm. astro mundi chronicles and the sargon prophecies Mm-hmm. They all host like varied accounts of how the mind flayers and how its God came to be. So it's, you know, it's like a lot of ancient lore. It's kind of, it depends on, you know, what text you're reading really. But in any case, Elson sign is, you know, held by the Illithids as their creator God and allegedly existed alongside other deities before you know, they, the mortals were created. And while oh. the other gods, you know, blundered about in the prime material plane with their proto-creations, Ilsen signs, you know, his creation was thoughtful, deliberate, and perfected. Didn't want to bring his creations into the planes until they had been perfected, unlike the other gods who rushed their work in order to stake, you know, prior claims. You know, like you said, like, yeah. you know, yeah, earlier in the episode, it, wasn't so much about um anything other than just trying to you know take over just trying to make state claims mm-hmm. to to whatever mm-hmm. land and or you know power just, they could that is such little the little brother energy you're absolutely right though like it it okay yeah cool you guys made stuff yeah well mine mine are gonna eat yours so <laughs> yeah mine are whatever. gonna eat yours mine are better Mine are better because they can um do this and and also they can mind control you, but you can't understand what they call their god because they don't they, talk in your language. Yeah, they like don't that. talk in your language. They, they talk to each other with way. their with their brain with their brain, so you can't even hear what they're saying. So you can't guess what I'm going to do next. <laughs> that is super little brother energy. Can you sure. tell that I have kids that are somebody's little brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ilsen sign made itself known in the realms immediately after the Dorger uprising in Orendel against the Elithids, which happened approximately negative 4,000 DR. Uh, Orendel uh, is the uh, is a large underground mind flayer dwelling and oh. one of the earliest of, as of such uh, on Toru. Okay. So the established governing bodies were in disarray in the aftermath of the rebellion mm-hmm. and the city nearly collapsed from the resulting chaos but it was saved only by the sudden appearance of an avatar of Ilsensine, believed to have been summoned by its elder brain. Ooh. So Ilsensine, um, I mean, as as bad as you think Illithids are, mm-hmm. I, it's it just it's it's like hyper focused in everything terrible about a mind player, uh, alien and elusive. Their thoughts are a relentless tide of dark deceptions an unimaginable deviancy. It is a cold and calculated being of practically limitless knowledge. And its philosophies mirror that of the Illithids, obviously, that, you know, information is the greatest commodity, Mm -hmm. darkness, the greatest illumination, and the mind, the greatest strength. Okay. Uh, Another dominating facet of Ilsen Sign's unending thoughts was a sort of megalomania for oh. its motivation. Uh, the supremacy of the greatest race in its own mind, you know, feel of its, yeah. its own creation. Yeah, we're better than everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And wanted them to conquer all planes. And okay. so thoughts in unceasingly insisting that 
you know, they were meant to rule all reality, enslave everyone and everything, using and consuming what they considered cattle, uh, and enjoying the conquest as they did so. You know, not, this isn't just this isn't just business, but also pleasure. And you know, this was to be done through mental domination, superior mm-hmm. knowledge, and the expression, uh, will and force of mind that was magic. However, despite its many strengths, Elsensein is not infallible. Oh, good. I mean, aside from being supremely arrogant, as you know, we have can what? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like obviously ascertain. Uh, Elsensein <laughs> is not impervious to emotion, and in fact, could be overtaken by it. There are litanies of hatred that constantly radiate from its mind, mercilessly mercilessly hammering any nearby with its insane, and this is insane by like non-illithid standards, probably completely milquetoast by a mind flayer standard, Um, but by its insane declaration of the illithid essentially manifest destiny. Oh, gosh. Uh, The deeper one delved into the deeper that one delves into its layer the worse it becomes growing from a mm-hmm. whisper to a buzz until obscenities are being screamed directly into your mind i More, mean i look i'm just gonna it just doesn't sound that doesn't sound that bad i scream obscenities in my mind all the time <laughs> That just sounds like a Tuesday. I Well, more crucially than simply uh-huh. uh, feeling emotions, however, yeah, Ilsensen's feelings could drive it toward problematic behavior. So it's even leaving anger aside, you know, and despite, you know, the many legends that, you know, are told of the mind flayers and its extraordinary patience and deliberations, uh-huh. Ilsensen has allegedly made mistakes out of impatience in the past. Uh, and it's discontent with its rate of information reception mm-hmm. and craving for mental essences to feast upon, Elsensine may have accidentally created a force it was incapable of controlling, a mysterious force known as the us. The mm. us can be is something that uh, was presented in Planescape. Yeah. And it's, again, there's... There's so much, you know, that well, there's too many rabbit holes to fall down. And perhaps really we'll is. perhaps we'll get to the yes in uh in a patron plus installment or in a mini episode or in a bonus episode mm-hmm. or maybe a regular episode, but uh right now we're talking about ill sense sign. <laughs> we'll get there. It, it, it can wait. There's a long line. The queue is long. Um there was this interesting factoid um in the novel Finder's Bane. Okay. The human bard turned deity, uh, Finder Wyvenspur, describes how he managed to outsmart the Mind Flayer God. Oh, he okay. says, I gave Ilsensein a recursive song, a tuneful little ditty in which the last verse leads directly back into the first, forming a closed loop. Ilsensein couldn't get the tune out of his head, and with his powerful brain, he couldn't stop thinking about it. Then his mind power being what it was, it spread to his priests. No. Is he this why stuff gets him. stuck in my head? He lamb chopped him. 
Oh no, that's terrible. He, this is the song that never ends him. That is the worst. Some of Ilsenstein's powers, uh, which I mean, he's ultimately about one thing, power, specifically, right. you know, raw psychic power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and such is the force of its psionic thought waves that everyone that approaches its true form, psionically attuned or otherwise, is able to sense its energy, and oh. only the mindless could ignore it. So oh, definitely one of those times when you know ignorance is bliss. Yep, uh, this created a condition within its realm known as brain burn describing the constant sizzle that one could only hope to endure. I hate to tell you this, but my brain's spicy 90% <laughs> of the time. Well, then maybe you wouldn't be affected. Uh, or maybe on, I'm already under an already under an illicit's control. Maybe you are. I get stuff stuck in my head all the time, and it's been weeks sometimes. And I don't. some of that I don't need in there. I don't need to sing those songs over and over. Well, if you do find yourself within Ilsenstein's proximity, okay. uh, psionic powers become nulled. No secrets mm-hmm. can stay hidden, uh, nor dark thought or mental illness remain <laughs> unrevealed. All willpower and consciousness is ripped away and drained by the god brain. He'd give them back and tell me to leave. They <laughs> like, made him oh, sad. Oh, oh, never mind. oh honey, no, go. You ever had a mind flayer tell you that your brain was not like, on their nev- menu? Never mind. Like oh. this one, I don't. Do you guys have anything else? I'm sorry. This one's just not right. <laughs> this is this is this this brain. Abby, has, this somebody brain has spoiled. <laughs> it's Abby something. This Ab- brain has turned. normal. Um. So illithids correctly believe that mm-hmm. Ilsen signs mental power to be omnipresent. Depicting its tendrils as coiling across not only all all of space, but also all of time. Oh. It is important to note, however, that Ilsenstein is not omniscient. Although it's possible that they probably know more than any other being in existence. Right. But he often sends agents out known as eaters of knowledge to realms that the god brain could not perceive. Um, a being of mental energy more than anything, Ilsenstein lacks a physical form and as such lacks physical strength, fortitude, agility, you know, body stuff. Body stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're only a brain, there's a solid chance you're lacking some of the major body stuff. Regular body stuff. Regular old um, body stuff. Although its avatar could move by levitating through the air, um, simply attempting to bring harm to Ilsenstein Il- uh, is a formidable uh-huh. task. You know, obviously, as you know, it, it doesn't have a physical body. Uh, it's impervious to spells of mental control. Uh, additionally, it also controls zombies, and these are um, creatures that have the brain burn. Have you know? Have gotten to it. <laughs> Oh gosh. Brain burn is just what I'm gonna call it from now on. I'm having some brain burn today. Just having some brain burn. Don't mind me. Uh-huh. Um these are thoughtless puppets totally enslaved to the god brain's will, uh controlled by a psionic link, without which they would be nothing but lifeless husks. 
So it's literally just a meat suit piloted by psionic energy. That's exactly what it is. Nice. Um, and though they're not really dangerous themselves, Ilsensine could then could channel its own psionic powers through them. Um, although it it has, you know, it risks the cost of instantly con- destroying the zombie, the conduit, the the brain burned creature. Oh man. Uh, aside from the touch of its tentacles, as well as poking too hard um, at its ganglia, allegedly Ugh. frying the brain, mm-hmm. all like I said, all those that remain subject to Ilsenstein's brain burn become one of those zombies. Um, although some kind of mind shielding magic could forestall this indefinitely for as long as it held. Oh. Now, how. I mean, you would think that someone like Ilsensine uh, wouldn't really have any friends. And you'd be right. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, don't don't you dare tell me. No, actually, they are the, the life best. of the party. They yeah. are constantly throwing like neighborhood get togethers. That's whose house you're going to to barbecue. Um, no? But no, they're not exactly welcoming of others into its realm. You know, oh, preferring shocking. preferring to welcome only those that it can control. Yeah. Um, and between that and you know, obviously the brain burn that you would suffer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's little reason to visit the caverns of thought where Ilsenstein resides, save for one. There's one reason. If somehow you could gain the god brain's favor. Likely, it would require the surrender of the part of your mind, uh, such as your memory and or your sanity, as payment. Then you could beseech its cosmic knowledge. Well, that sounds like a losing situation. I'll give you my memory to learn something. Yeah, but why did you need to know it? You don't remember now, do you? Well, I mean, you could write it down and be like, I don't know why I have this written down on this piece of paper, but here you go. Be like, ah, it's two tablespoons of salt. (laughs) I told you. Um, I knew it. With Ilsenstein's constant reality spanning sensory input and perfect memory, Uh it likely knows more dark secrets than any other being in the cosmos, such as the weakness of any given foe. So, I mean, that would be a great reason to try to gain the god brain's favor it's like mm-hmm. hey we've got this thing that we can't seem to kill nothing kills it like how can we kill it probably knows that oh you're right uh from here it was said one could learn the answer behind almost any planar activity assuming they could stay sane enough long enough to ask the question right <sighs> um and most that got as far as ilsenstein's court never came back in the first place so it's it's like a risky proposition. It is. It's a gamble. I guess if you're, if you're desperate enough, though. Uh, Ilsenstein never rose exceptional exceptional mortal illithids to divinity or even uh-huh. uh, demigods. Jealous, you know, uh, of you know what with their power and position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did at one point serve another sort of deity in Mayans. Mayans Corian. Okay. Mayans Corian is the mind flayer god of knowledge and philosophy. Okay. Uh, much like Ilsen sign and attitude, uh, they refrained from granting deification out of jealousy, uh, but still believed that Illithids to be the natural rulers of all realms 
and dominators of other species, uh, those of which were only fit for food and servitude. Uh, unlike his master, however, the I love how he was described as the philosopher, <laughs> you know, the mind flayer god of knowledge and philosophy, the uh-huh. philosopher believed that other brains could provide valuable knowledge before consumption and that such an activity was most pleasurable after prolonged waiting. So Mayans, Corian, uh, vener- their veneration could never be re- uh, never reached the same of Ilsen's sign. But he purposely kept his priesthood small, uh, partially to avoid the appearance of trying to usurp Ilsen's sign's primacy. Oh, Makes sense, right? Okay, yeah. Um, he always acted deferential to the tentacle lord. Um, but despite this position, the god brain was still his rival. And he didn't okay. always pass along everything that he learned. Mm-hmm. So there might be some information that Mayans Corian knows that Ilsensine never did. Um, but besides besides the philosopher layer, mm-hmm. Ilsensine has no allies, save for the drow goddess of vengeance, Kiran Sali. Okay. So you got two buddies and one and it doesn't really go into the 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 details of like, his relationship with the drow goddess, mm-hmm. but it it sounds more like Mayans Corian. It's they're more like acquaintances than than homeboys. So it's kind of like, right, not homeboys, but not actively trying to destroy each right, other. I think like, that's as close as you get with gods, though, or you know, semi deities like coworkers that you wouldn't hang out with outside of work. Yeah, like it's it's cool. We can work together, and I'm not gonna try to completely you know destroy you immediately. But like I'm not, inviting, I'm not inviting you to the barbecue. Like yeah. we're not going to kick it. Uh, some of uh, his foes include uh, most of the rest of the Drow pantheon, including Loth and mm-hmm. Varon, uh, the Elf Elven god of revenge, Seravash, uh, the Deep Gnome god, Caladuran Smooth Hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ilsensine has a notably complex relationship with the deities of dwarven origin. Uh, they enjoy, and I love how this is described, they enjoy a non-hostile relationship. That's what I just said. Right, That's what it is. <laughs> with Dumathoin, who is oh. the dwarven god of underground exploration. Yeah. Um, but the Darrow god, Drinka, uh, the most magical of dwarf deities, stole much of his magic from Ilsensine and left his brother Dink Karazin Dink Karazin hold on and left his brother Dink Karazin to suffer for the looting that's messed which, up which is super messed up so this is this is what Dean Karenzen has to go through. A furious Ilsen sign places a complex curse on him, trapping mm-hmm. him in a layer of the abyss to be mm-hmm. tormented by visions of whatever he fears the most, including Ilsen sign. Oh, a curse that leaves him insane, except you know, once every fifty years or so. You know, except for every you know every fifty years. So he's got this respite every half century which <laughs> i long yeah which i can't long periods uh, of insanity 
And then you're like, oh, that's finally over. And then it starts Started again. With, uh... <laughs> and to ensure that he's permanently trapped, the tentacled lord creates this artifact known as Elsenstein's Il- ring. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can destroy it, destroy the ring and grant Dean Karenson his freedom mm-hmm. is for a greater god to destroy it. You need, uh, the power of a greater god is needed. They're not so inclined to do such things They're generally. Uh, there's also a fierce hostility between the great brain and mm-hmm. deep Dura, the mm-hmm. Durga god of psionics. For yeah. again, they stole several secrets of the invisible art and robbed it of its psionic energy many times. So playing dangerous games over here, stealing yeah, from they the are... illithid creator god. Man. <clears throat> tell you what they uh you got a whole situation going i don't i just don't want any part of all that you know yeah you can keep all that stuff and keep all that stuff over there so in recent history mm-hmm. uh in the dead gods adventure for the planescape setting mayans Corian actually is, is slain is killed which makes ilsen sign the unquestioned supreme god of the mind players and during the time of troubles, the tentacled lord manifests in Orndal once again, adopting the elder brain of Orndal as its avatar form. Okay. A major consequence of the great brain's manifestation was the mental stimulation of the city's illithid inhabitants and uh-huh. the resultant burst of creative energy. And so for the first time in generations, the traditional power structure of Orendal, also known as the City of Lore Takers, was upset. However, at some point, the alien and elusive deity of the Illithids began experiencing a strange new sensation. Anger. It lost a fragment of one of its avatars and had no idea how this happened. In its anger, it shocked the Mind Flayers into searching for the artifact but was not fully aware of how its anger affected its people or maybe didn't even care. Didn't even give it, yeah. Doesn't give a hoot. Ilsen Sign will not relax until this shard of consciousness is restored, devoting almost all of its energies to its recovery. A mercenary group named Stray Thoughts were hired to search for a psionic artifact of unknown abilities by an elusive cowled figure known as Zadusk. Unbeknownst to the mercenary company, the artifact they were searching for, which is buried somewhere in the sandy caves of coastal Sembia, is the loose fragment of the avatar of the god Ilsensine. And so hearing loose fragment coupled with shattered obelisks uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. mind flayers everywhere, I feel like there's some kind of connection there. There's some Probably. kind of connection to the mind flayer creator god and I think so as well and the loose fragment and the shattered obelisk and all the obelisks and the spell weavers and vecna it's, you mean uh, it all ties together somehow i i think so somehow it's fantastic i'm here for it i am too uh and we hope that you are as well because oh yeah uh, we're gonna be here talking D lore because that's mm-hmm. that's what we love to do it's true. It's true. So, yeah, if you want to check out the um, Fandelver and Below adventure, you can, uh, like I said, it's coming out. Uh, the time of this recording is coming out uh, next week. 
-hmm. You can get a physical copy at your friendly local gaming store. You can buy a digital copy on D&D Beyond. You can get a uh, a bundle of the two uh, as well from D&D Beyond. My if favorite you... way to do it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, the the Lost Minds of Fandelver adventure is like it started 5e off with a bang. It's a great uh -huh. adventure. It's a lot of fun. It's really well written. And, you know, the the second half that they've added on to it is not only, you know, a, a solid adventure in and of itself, but it asks, it, you know, it opens up so many questions, so many avenues for oh, what yeah, the future, sure. it, what the future is going to hold for for D and D leading into twenty twenty four, and the return of Vecna, and you know all the the big things that Wizards has planned for the game for its fiftieth anniversary. I'm so excited! It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, join us next week. We'll be back talking about some more Planescape stuff as we gear mm -hmm. up for yet another release as we uh, get ready for Planescape Fifth Edition. Uh, but until then, my name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.